Welcome to the Christy Taylor Show. I am super excited about this show for a lot of reasons. One is one of my main girls who is out here doing great things for our community and the nation and world, Cherie Scott, will be my special guest. We have a lot going on in our country, and I definitely wanted to make sure I added my voice to the course, which is one reason why I wanted to select an amazing array of guests over the next several weeks that we could talk about what's happening in our community locally, statewide, and nationally. And to help me get started, we're gonna get some good information about my dear friend, Cherie Scott. She is an amazing ordained minister, mother, singer, and songwriter, poet, and national speaker on reproductive justice and other human rights violations that has been experienced by vulnerable Tennesseans. She has served in the reproductive justice movement for 15 years, and she has been definitely noted for that. She is all about changing the world, leading voice when it comes to social change. I want you to help me welcome. Welcome to the show, Cherie Scott. Girl, you got hey. credits, honey. Credit <laughs> and recognition. Of course, we have, um, have had an amazing relationship. I had a chance when I came back from LA to work for a station, and around the same time, I think you were coming back from another city and was starting... Sister Reach, um, I don't want to steal your thunder. I want the world to know who you are. Just kind of give a little quick bio of who Cherie Scott is. All right. Well, hey, everybody. So glad to be on the Chrissy Taylor Show. Always uh, a great time when we get together. Um, so I'm Cherie Scott and CEO and founder of Sister Reach. And we are a reproductive justice organization here in Memphis working for human rights for low-income folks, uh, women and teens of color, poor women, rural folks queer people uh, just trying to do our thing, trying to do our part in our community. Um, as Christy said, uh, I am an ordained minister, but I like to cuss a little bit. And, uh, <laughs> uh, but, um, but I also, I, I love fighting for my people, whether they be the people in the pews or the people uh, on the hill or, you know, that are being impacted by public policies that, that impact us and, and um, shift the dynamics of our lives away from abundance and, uh, and marginalize and keep us on the margins. Um, proud mother of, of, a, of a freshman in college now. And, uh, you know, we started from the bottom, now we're here. And I'm just glad to, to be um, here with Christy as well. And uh, also, a, I'm a singer, I'm an artist. Um, yes. Yeah. You know, just trying to do my, trying to put my fingers in all the things. Like everybody else out here. Yes, honey, she has an amazing gift. Um, you all got to check her out. What's your social media handle, real quick? Uh, Charisse Music on Twitter, um, Dememshy Fly, which is D-E for Detroit, because that's where I'm from originally, M-E-M, -E Memphis, because I also claim Memphis, Shy, C-H-I, because that's where I moved back to Memphis from, and Fly, F-L-Y-Y -Y, on, on Instagram, uh, and then you can find me at Charisse Scott on Facebook, both my artist and uh, personal page. All right, I had to get the personal out, because honey, we about to talk about this sister reach. Okay. Let's talk about, you've been 15 years or more. In this is my 15 year anniversary this year. Happy anniversary to you. And yeah. for those of those who may not know what reproductive justice is, just kind of break down what it is and the history of it. 
Sure. Um, so reproductive justice is a framework that was coined by Black women in 94 in Chicago uh, during the Clinton administration when he, he was attempting to um, start kind of our first move towards healthcare reform. And they wanted to make sure that the healthcare package was comprehensive of issues that impacted Black women's lives. Um, and that included anything from access to sex education, to in vitro fertilization services, mental health services, sterilization, abortion services, um, just making sure that Black women were at the table uh, and not on the menu when it came down to uh, our health and wellness and just really, you know, bringing in a cultural lens uh, as well as a political and a social lens of the things that Black women go through on a day-to-day -day basis. And not just ourselves, but our families and our communities. Um, it's a human rights framework and it is basically uh, reproductive justice means, you know, a, a person's human right to have a child, not to have a child, to be supported with the children that they have and live in a safe environment, uh, free from uh, in individual violence or governmental violence, uh, fighting all forms of oppression, and, uh, and, and having basically access to abundance, right, a a as is ensured in the, in the Declaration of Human Rights, right? And so, um, so it is a 26-year-old framework now. Yeah, so it's still a pretty young framework, but it's still what I think is like a winning strategy in being able to truly center those voices that are on the margins and put them in the center of the conversation. And, you know, even though Black women started this, this uh, work, um, it definitely over the last 26 years has been fleshed out to include all women and people of color, not just straight folks, but gay folks, not just adults, but young people. Um, and it also includes all people, right? It includes white people. However, the leadership of it and the intention around making sure that the least vulnerable were centered was with the, with the lens of Black feminist theory and making sure that uh, Black women in our lives and our families and our communities were not kind of left out of the discussion when it came down to making sure that folks get their human rights. Which is very, very comprehensive. And for those who would like more information about it, be sure to check out sisterreach.org, which is also about to celebrate its anniversary as well. How nine years. We're going on nine years old in October. Wow. Okay. So nine years ago, with you been in the work for 15 years, mm -hmm. what made you decide to launch Sister Reach? Particularly. Uh, and behind me, um, we're packing, we're on our way moving to a larger office. And I was uh, telling Chrissy when we first got on, it's going to be kind of bittersweet because my mother, uh, my mom is who actually asked me to continue the work that I was doing in Chicago here in Memphis because she felt like uh, mothers and their children really needed to have access to sex education. Uh, which is what we do. We do policy and advocacy. We do research. Uh, we even are able to wrap our, our work around music, arts, and culture. Uh, we work with faith communities, but she wanted to make sure that we were able to service folks here in, in Memphis. Uh, and so we've been doing that for nine years. Uh, and so I started the, the organization because she asked me to. Uh, there wasn't an organization of it of its kind in the state, and there kind of still really isn't, though I'm so proud to say that, you know, there are some amazing Black women and Brown women in our city and in our state that have not only adopted reproductive justice, but they are pushing that framework forward in the work that they do uh, in maternal health, uh, in uh, rights for Asian Americans uh, and Latinx Americans. And so it's, it's, it's just really dope to see that something that started from a request from my mama, you know, has grown to be such an impact, uh, impactful uh, contribution to our state. And your beloved mother, as I said, when you said you were packing, I'm like, wait, 
Yeah, oh no, we just moving to a bigger place. That's it, just a bigger place. Uh, we got about 2,400 square feet here. We're moving to 4,000 square feet. Uh, we're in the Hickory Hill community and we're gonna stay in the Hickory Hill community uh, because it is one of the communities that is, is a bit abandoned in the city, if you will. Uh, high rates of poverty, high rates of crime, but also high rates of sexual assault, yeah. HIV, other sexually transmitted infections, incest, rape, molestation. You know, so we need to continue to be in our city. We just wanted to be in a situation where we could be a bit more accessible. Um, and for us, that means now we're going to be bringing in three new partners to come into our office with us and expand our services. So we offer free HIV testing, but now we're about to be able to also offer free HIV testing and uh, testing for sexually transmitted infections. Yay. Um, we're going to be able to uh, offer doula services through our, one of our part new partners and domestic violence support uh, through another one of our partners who's going to be joining on with us. So I'm very excited, just trying to, you know, uh, offer, you know, wraparound services, if you will. Uh, definitely modeling a sister here who offered me an opportunity to do the same thing at her organization. Uh, her name is Aliette Murray Drobo, and she used to be the executive director of a domestic violence center here called the Family Safety Center. Uh, she invited Sister Reach in to offer free HIV testing and birth control options counseling. Um, we still do. Uh, we haven't been able to do it right now because of COVID-19. But um, but I took that concept and I you know, I wanted to kind of move it forward for kind of the vision as this vision goes forward. You know, by the time we reach year 15, we ought to have what I've been hoping for, which is like a sister reach village where we're trying to service, you know, folks offering housing, um, job support, you know, GED support. You know, opera, you know, food, clothing, all of the things, uh, and just kind of a village for mothers and babies who are displaced because of either drug usage or domestic violence uh, uh, of some sort. And we, we hope that we'll be able to do that. That's our goal right now. Well, Sharice, that is a very impressive, which I know, noble goal, which you will reach. I'm going to reach it. <laughs> I do remember what two, three years ago when you rechristened that space you're in now, which yeah. is, and how your mom was there. And so we send light and love to her. And yeah. I'm gonna be with you yes. in the new space as well. Now, Sharice, we know that you are very, very active in social media, very, very active online and offline. So, to really representing Sister Reach and reproductive justice and just justice in all forms as a mother as well of a black man. Mm -hmm. uh, we do know that 2020 has been extremely challenging. Yes. For, I would just say the peoples of the African diaspora, particularly here in the United States. Yes. Trying to narrow it down to Memphis, Tennessee, and then the country. Now we know you're in Hickory Hill. Mm -hmm which is a community that, as you've already noted, specifically would be, you know, very um, helped by your work. Can we talk about what happened on the Hill and how it links to what you were repping, how you, <laughs> how you were repping the 901 and the 615? For those who know, Memphis is 901 and Nashville is 615 area codes. So let's talk about what happened on the Hill. Yeah, so first of all, let me just apologize for my allergies <clears throat> that make me cough. <clears throat> so yeah, hopefully I can get through it. Oh, you're fine. So, you, you can take a, just a sip of water. Yeah, I have my little stuff sitting over here. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. 
So last fall, I was invited to um, with some members from Planned Parenthood um, to go and have a conversation on the Hill, to testify on the Hill about the impact of, at that time, a pending abortion bill. And, you know, we had to submit some comments and I tried to keep my comments vague because I knew that they were going to be uh, kind of surveilled, if you will, and that I wasn't going to be able to to really lift up the, the issues that I thought was really important, not just as somebody who advocates for folks reproductive and sexual autonomy, but as a black woman who has had my own abortions before, who has, you know, I have a I'm a sexual assault survivor. Um, and I just know what it means to be a black woman in this city, be a black girl in this city, and just be a black person, period, in this country, uh, a country that has that continues to abandon us, um, uh, exploit us, tokenize us, uh, and shoot us down in the street. And so, you know, I had an opportunity to go and, and talk to, uh, to testify before the Senate Judiciary Committee. And I was basically trying to lift up what I see as, um, you know, I think that what, I, what I've kind of evolved this thought process is to, into theological fascism, right? Where, you know, you basically have folks who have hijacked biblical scripture in order to, um, to push a political agenda, uh, as well as uh, an agenda that's deeply embedded in white supremacy. And so I was like, you know, you know, the ways that you all are doing your work is hypocritical, the ways that you, you form policy and you're trying to stop women from having abortions, but you're not putting the infrastructure in place to keep her safe from rape or incest or any level of domestic violence or harm, any type of sexual assault. You have stopped, you know, young people and college students from having access to comprehensive sexuality education. And so then when they get pregnant or when they need an abortion, you know, you want to block that through legislation, but you don't want to create an opportunity for them to, uh, you know, to have education. You know, like I said, I, I am an ordained minister, uh, you know, and in my Bible, you know, Hosea 4 and 6 says that, that people die for a lack of knowledge, you know, without right. knowledge, the people going to perish. And right. so, so people are going to die without in, with vital information about themselves and, and, and their bodies in this particular uh, instance. And so that's what I was trying to lift up. But once I, you know, start thinking about white supremacy and all that kind of stuff, they shut down my mic um yes we wanted to get the the sheriffs and the and the you know the court bailiff or whatever on me but i didn't stop talking because really I'm, I'm a taxpayer in this state you know i'm a black woman who's been impacted by harm and violence in this state and so i thought that i was you know and I'm, like i said we're fighting on behalf of women here at sister reach uh in this state because we recognize that you know not many others are let's be very clear um and so you know i thought that i was and then i'm a christian Right. I'm a Christian who has seen folks, seen these same legislators and, and others and their supporters, even some on the Democrat side, um, manipulate, manipulate biblical scripture in order to forward an agenda that is not Jesus centered on, on any level. Um, and so I just wanted to lift that up, but they didn't appreciate it. They got up and walked out on me. And um, and I kept going because that, that was my right to keep going. Uh, it went viral. <laughs> yes, it did. Yes, it did. You know, and but it brought some attention to the hypocrisy of what's happening, not only in Tennessee, but uh, definitely across southern states, right, that have very similar laws. Unfortunately, that law or the, this kind of newer iteration of the law did pass this past legislative session, uh, though now the ACLU and Planned Parenthood and uh, Choices Memphis Center for Reproductive Health, all abortion clinics here in our state, um, 
along with the ACLU, have now put forth litigation to fight the law, uh, along with some of our national partners from the Center for Reproductive Rights. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people are like, how are you a black woman fighting for abortion? I'm like, how am I a black woman? That's what are you, what are you saying? How, how do you not, you know, how do we, how do we separate uh, very intentional abandonment um, and seizure of our bodies, right? I still think about poor Centoya Brown, who was a victim of human trafficking, young black woman, and she was a young, like a, a young girl. She was yeah. 16, you know, was facing, you know, basically life in prison, uh, shooting her John, right? But it's, there was no um, grace or mercy given to the, to the context in which she was a sex slave, you know, uh, forced into the sex trade, uh, expected to basically uh, work for sex in order to take care of somebody else, that she had a pimp, that she was, you know, that she was in danger. These things are not taken into consideration, right? And so now that even though, you know, with, with a lot of national pressure, celebrities getting involved, a lot of uh, work on the ground by, by local and state advocates, um, she is free, but her life was, I mean, but she's, she still lost 15, 16 years of her life, right? right? Uh, in for something that she could have never been arrested for. So, you know, so yeah, I mean, I fight for abortion because ain't nobody fighting to make sure a Centoria Brown don't happen, right? Yeah. And I fight for abortion because nobody's making sure that little girl's not getting raped as we speak. And I fight for abortion because nobody was there to save me, right? And so, you know, nobody's there to make sure that the husband isn't raping the wife. Right, because that's happening too. Right, that happens too. That's right. It's, it's, it's withholding, the, you know, contraception. I'm not going to use it, or I'm gonna beat your butt if you tell me that you want to use it. And you know, the, right. there's so many things that are happening, and women are are are, are being assaulted in so many different ways. And for many women, especially Black women, abortion has been a way of escape from a lot of these types of scenarios. And so I'm going to keep on fighting for it unapologetically, right? I believe that just as God has given me the sacred right to bring a child into this world, that I've also been afforded a sacred right to determine if and when I'm going to have a kid, period. So, you know, that's a, you know, me and preachers go round and round, but I... I <laughs> I was about to ask you about that because we are in, some people say, the buckle of the Bible Belt. We are. And Memphis is a city of churches. You know. So even within the context of the religious right, yeah. of conservative family values, mm -hmm. we still have to speak to some of the concerns, the social justice concerns that mm -hmm our lives and our community. So yes. salute to you on all the work that you do. Now, of course, just for clarification, you're not just about fighting for the right to abortion, but you are very much into... I'm fighting for babies to live. I'm fighting for mamas to live, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, we are, we are a partner, uh, a kindred partner. We were right at the table um, at the very beginning of the national group, Black Mamas Matter. The Black Mamas Matter Alliance, you know, I mean, I'm a mom. Let's be clear. I'm a, I'm a mother out here wanting to make sure that mothers don't die on the table, right? Yeah. They have preeclampsia that leads to high, you know, have high blood pressure or strokes in, in utero. You know, I'm trying to make sure that when babies get here, that they don't, they're not born with a low birth weight. I'm mm -hmm. trying to make sure that folks have access to fresh fruits and vegetables, right? That we're fighting for environmental justice and economic justice. We're fighting for immigrant rights. You know, we're fighting at the intersection of all of these issues that impede a woman's ability 
uh, to be self-determining, to, to her for her life to flourish and, and, and live in a space of, a, of abundance, right? If, if my Bible says that I come that you might have life and that more abundantly, then that also means my reproductive life, right? Yeah. And so that, that part for me is something that is really key to the ways in which we fight, the ways in which we, we work. And I lean in very intentionally and unapologetically with ministers, you know, who, who come to us sometimes in secret, like, can you help my young people? But we stand for those very young people and the women that sit in their pews when these types of instances happen. Meanwhile, you know, uh, you know, I, I'm also pushing back on what I feel is Christian extremism, white supremacy, right? Scripture in order to forward an agenda that don't have nothing to do with Jesus, the Holy Ghost, being saved, or however you want to talk about it. You know, it's just only to advance a particular uh, uh, amount of people. I mean, right now in the news, right, we got Jerry Farwell Jr., you know, uh, having to step down from Liberty University for engaging basically in behavior that the church considers perverted behavior, right? You know, but this has been someone whose family has held the moral high ground for all my life, and, you know. Yes, for good 50, 60 years, exactly. And so, you know, so so what that tells me is, is that, well, first of all, that no human being has the right to place judgment or shame, uh, you know, to, to you know, stand in between folks trying to figure out their lives, their sexuality, their orientation, like whatever. Like nobody's job is to do that. Um, and, and just to be able to prove it, right, here we are with, with our own issues, our own sin, if you will, our own shortcomings, uh, which, which should never put us in a position to be in the seat of judgment, but all, always living out, you know, um, uh, you know, a life of abundance, a life of mercy, a life of grace. I want you to thrive, right? And I ought to be able to thrive as well. It shouldn't be that it's, you know, it's cool for you to eat filet mignon and I can only eat. You know, I don't believe that. that. Right, we got politicians who fight for people on, on public aid to never be able to eat lobster and shrimp. Right? Yeah. Because, because we have a very interesting dynamic that I think the church has perpetuated around prosperity. That if you, if, you know, got some money, God must be blessing you. But if you right. poor and you lost and you and you turned out out here, oh God ain't blessing you, no God don't love you. That's a lie. That's, that's a, lie. a lie. That's a lie. That's what I went to the to the Capitol with that day. That's what I testified around. Um, that day, that it was, it was it was so far not about abortion. It was more about the conditions of violence that are that are being not only um, pushed out of the Tennessee state legislature, but out of the White House. That, you know, that this is a pattern of violence that we are seeing across our country. Now, let's speak about this. You, you, you spoke to the White House, and you also spoke about the Hill in 2020. What has prior to pre-COVID? And mid-COVID, what are you finding has been the hot topics for you this year? Um, outside of anti-abortion legislation, uh, anti-LGBT rights legislation, uh, but I think that one of the things that's been real deep is to see taxpayers be put out of their homes, their utilities be cut off, you know, folks be put in the, you know, like they said on good times, in the child line. In the child line. And to know that that you know that some things, some different choices have been made to change the conditions in which we currently are navigating a pandemic right now that we didn't even have to get, we never had to be to see folks turn their backs on the least of these when we got 
not only a Republican controlled, you know, Senate, we got a Christian controlled Senate. That's the platform, but not in behavior. Not, not in behavior. Only, only in, only in words. Definitely only not in, in platform, but not in practice. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, I'm like, oh, you know, eat and be. I mean, you know, starve. Okay. Yeah. Which is part of the complexity to doing any type of work. You know, when it comes to helping, as we say, if we're practicing Christianity or any benevolent religion. Whatever. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're supposed to do good to our neighbor. At the end of the day, exactly. You know, exactly. You know encourage you to take care of the poor. Most faith traditions encourage mm -hmm. you to take care of the earth. Most yes. faith traditions, you know, you know, tell you to do right by your neighbor. You don't get yes. to pick and choose who your neighbor is. Your neighbor might be trans. Your neighbor might be black. Your neighbor might be undocumented. Your neighbor might be a woman. Your neighbor might be an elder. It, there wasn't. There wasn't a any. You know, uh, adjectives. There were no adjectives. Or do right. <laughs> you, know, you want the woman, you want somebody to do unto you. Yeah. It was a blanketed statement that I believe God in His sovereignty had the inspiration to be absolutely absolutely statement. So, now, with that being said, in the state of Tennessee, okay, let's. I'm going to back back down. Okay, in the city of Memphis, okay, as in the state of Tennessee, okay, we are definitely being faced with some new challenges in the midst of COVID. Yep. In the midst of that pandemic, we have been strongly impacted by the recent, I'll call the summer of 2020, <sighs> protest. Black Lives Matter movement gained yeah. a new, you know, integrated or <laughs> movement. What are you finding, particularly when it comes to when you speak about the intersection? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, so first of all, shout out to all my kindred, all my comrades who are on that front line, taking rubber bullets, inhaling uh, gas. Yeah. Yes. You know, being beaten with billy clubs, being, you know, wrongfully jailed because they're just trying to protest uh, and lift their voices about uh, the annihilation of Black bodies in this country, okay? Yeah. Uh, from all facets of the full spectrum of our Blackness, okay? So shout out to them. So I think that, you know, what I'm seeing uh, at those intersections of uh, a pandemic and anti-black violence mm. is you know just a, this is this is like you know america uh america is caught with their panties now. you know what i'm saying that there's no more uh opportunity to, to fake like you care about everybody because the world saw what happened to george floyd right just like the world is still watching that nothing has happened on behalf of Breonna Taylor, right um, you know, that, that we see trans person after trans woman after trans person after trans woman be beaten, be killed, be murdered, be, you know, and nothing is happening because folks who are in power or those who, you know, uh, are, are comfortable with just themselves and their own surroundings, and I guess they just believe that everybody's supposed to be like them, uh, have made a decision to turn their backs, you know, on, on those who are marginalized, are some of the most marginalized. But right now, Black folks in this country are among the most marginalized. I would say beyond us, it's probably Native and Indigenous folks. But other than that, it would be us, right? 
And so to see us be annihilated in such an unapologetic way, to know that the White House has sanctioned for there to be you know, military enforcement in cities that haven't even requested it, right? To know that you got, you know, you got military folks walking down your neighborhood, making you go back into the house. Uh, you know, stopping you from, uh, you know, your, your constitutional right to protest, to lift your voice to, to free speech, right? Meanwhile, while allowing white American after white American after white American to, to buck against the police and get no type of recourse, right? To buy gun after gun, uh, shoot up school, shoot up babies, and it'd be no big deal, right? You know, it, it, it's, it's, it's very uh, disingenuous. I think that we've, we've been caught with our pants down. Folks around the world, I think, finally see that it's not just, it's not hype. It's not just us complaining. Like, <laughs> I'm going to say that. Yeah, it's a reckoning, indeed, It's and in that the very fact that it has, how can I say this? That 2020 has truly been a year of reckoning. Has been. And it's, I, like it's only just begun, right? Like we're not. And it's, you can tell it's only beginning. We're talking centuries of thought processes, institutionalization of factors and belief systems that have led to what is. Yeah, absolutely. One of the challenges for me has been to see the. The, I, I would say not just the hypocrisy because I think that and I had this conversation with my brother a lot of times he said Christy you really you know because I'm you know you know I'm a storyteller as well as you know um, a media personality but it's like you keep crafting these like end of time stories I'm like but there are these things being set in place and have solidified yeah. that literally driving us to a point where there are two distinct Americas yeah for me 2020 is it's like you said like there's a scale like we're being weighed it's a reckoning and however we move forward as individuals as community members as citizens of the city state and country is literally going to determine the future of this country absolutely it's coming up you know we know a lot of the issues that you're addressing have not been addressed by any of those in power. And to know that we have an election that's in the balance. I mean, the balance. What are your concerns? What are your concerns? My concerns, uh, some of my concerns are that um, Black folks, a lot of Black people have lost faith right. in, the, in the system in the ability, you know, that voting is not going to make a difference, especially when we saw what happened in 2016, uh, when 45 became the president, though he did not get the popular vote. Right. You know, uh, you got that part. Then you've got the part that, you know, we also, and, 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 I, and I leave it kind of within our communities because that's the communities that we've been working to try to mobilize, right? You know, you have folks who are like, but what about the looting? That's not cool. Or what about this? And what about the protests? You know, not even recognizing that in many instances, that most instances, probably almost all of the instances, that was not the black folks, that's right? Probably. Those were other people who had tagged themselves they hijacked the, hijack the protests in order to uh, to loot, in order to have you know violence and all that kind of stuff. So that that wasn't even 
you know, definitely not the movement for black lives, most definitely was not led nor sanctioned by the movement for black lives. Um, and so, you know, so I, I, so I see that as a, as a distractor, right? That people are like, oh, see, you know, we're not really about ourselves and, you know, we, you know, we, we're tearing up our own communities, you know, Dr. King said it best, you know, the protests were the, uh, you know, the, the, the words or the rage of the, of the unheard. I'm not getting kind of muggled up right a little bit, but I'm just saying like, basically people don't have another way to be heard. So people are protesting, people are raising their voices, people are making people uncomfortable, people are stopping traffic, you know, people are, you know, and meanwhile, uh, there's still, you know, there's still very slow change happening, right? Again, Breonna Taylor's murderers yet get to walk free, right? And I think that there's a whole, that's, that's another thing that's going on, the very interesting dynamic uh, between the ways that there is mobilization around Black men and a lack of motiv mobilization and motivation to fight for black women and trans folks and fans. Um, you know, like, I'm like, oh, okay. So we can get out here and protest for the brothers, but we can't protest for the sisters, but y'all won't be here without the sisters. So like, what are we doing? It's just very interesting. The complexity of this country that still reverberates even throughout our communities. Yeah, we have all the misogyny, all of the stuff, right? all the sexism. Yeah. So I'm concerned about that, but I'm also yeah. concerned about, you know, I recognize that the candidates that we have on the Democratic side may not be the ones that folks wanted, but they are the ones that we have. Right. And so what I'm concerned about as a Black woman and represent the, the highest voting uh, base in the country that is a sure voting base uh, that's progressive, that is, is that regardless to whether or not we get out here in droves and vote, um, that it still may not be enough if white liberals don't don't get out and vote, if black men don't rally out and get out here and vote, if millennials don't get out here and vote. You know, we we have a we have something that you know we still have, you know, a presidential election that hangs in the balance. You know, I mean, my thing is, can we be strategic, right? Yeah. I'm sure that yeah. we cannot vote strategically versus because I don't know that we're going to all be able to make it with another four years of what we've been experiencing. I just don't know that. I've lost several friends and family members over the course of these almost four years. Um, you know, I wanna be here, you know, I wanna be here. I don't, you know, and all of us face the potential of being sick by COVID-19. You know, um, you know, at my church, our, our associate pastor is yet in the hospital as we speak. Right, and we're, and we're praying for him, right, on a ventilator, and we're praying for him, right? And I mean, but it's like, again, this is some avoidable stuff that has happened. During Obama's administration, there was like four to six pandemics that he was able to thwart. Meanwhile, you know, there, we see, you know, where the breakdowns of communication was, where, uh, where this current president chose um, capitalism over healthcare you know, and health and wellness, you know, so it's like, are we going to make decisions, you know, based on, um, uh, you know, being pissed at Kamala Harris's prior record or, you know, or Biden's prior record? And again, I, you know, I'm, it's not even a political fighting conversation. I'm saying, can we be strategic and can we get a fool out of, out of the White House, right? And can we get somebody who at least seems to care a little bit about people? 
you know, has some type of a, you know, a, a track record of being a human being and caring about the lives of human beings. That's our, can we just begin there? We got to start with what we got and then we can continue to build, right? So I'm, I'm concerned about all of those things. I'm just afraid that people, and then of course you got the issues with the um, absentee voting, you know, the fact that the White House is tampering with the post office, folks are really concerned about the fact that with or without an absentee ballot, um, that they may not be able to, you know, that it's going to be some tampering with the mail and, you know, and, you know, it's going to be a stolen election once again. We've definitely seen stolen elections over the history, even in the last 20 years, we've seen stolen elections. And so, um, so, you know, so voter suppression is real and, and, and voter uh, empowerment is low. You know, folks just aren't motivated as, as much as, you know, and, and folks are fighting, I think, over the wrong stuff. You know, I, I can fight with you about Pamela tomorrow right. on November the 4th. <laughs> but I can't, can't fight with you about right. her. You know what I'm saying? We can we can worry about all that after. Can we get past, can we get through November the 3rd? That's what I'm concerned about. I really need our people to show up and show out at the polls, um, early voting, you know, the whole nine for sure. Well, we'll be right back after that. Ooh, that's powerful, girl. Welcome back to the Christy Taylor Show. Sarice Scott, uh, Sister Reach. Yes, I'm taking pictures of her. You give it to me. So, you know, beautifully said, uh, that's the artistry in you. I mean, the passion that you have for people and for, as you say, marginalized people always comes through. And I really appreciate you, you know, giving your perspective on what's happening. Now, as we get to the wrap up, just yeah. so that people can understand how to support your great work and just some of the things that you want to leave as gems for those who are watching as we head to November 3rd and into 2021. Mm. Uh, well, you can support our work at sisterreach.org. That's S-I-S-T-E-R-R-E-A-C-H. It's going across the ticker here. Uh, sisterreach.org. There's opportunities to donate. There's opportunities to volunteer. We would love to have your support. Um, Definitely the things that I want to leave. Uh, of course, voting is just, y'all, we can't, it's too much at stake. We cannot, all of us won't make it through another four years of this, you know, uh, and I just want to just use some common sense. Just, we, we can be super political in a minute, but if we could just be strategic right now, I think that, you know, we would help to save lives. Um, some other things that I think that are really important, I, I really, you know, and I, I saw some some news that came down my feed today about yet another situation of another preacher, uh, another pastor being involved in some real, you know, janky foolishness out here uh, where it concerns sex, right? And I, I really want to, because I, I recognize that in this moment, in this legislative moment, that the church has a really important position to play. Um, it's really time to be honest. Yes. 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 Be honest about our sex. Let's be honest about our sexual perversion. Let's be honest about the ways that we have uh, navigated sexual assault. Mm 
let's be honest about the fact that it's our children who are getting pregnant, that it's our it's our women who are being beaten by their husbands, that it's our uh, you know communities that ha that are being disenfranchised and abandoned, that it's our elders who are dying before they need to because of a lack of economic and healthcare infrastructure to keep them safe and well and, and, and sustained. You know, I just want us to be honest. It's time to, you know, this is this is deeper than, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I just, it's over, I'm, I'm over it. I want us to just be finally honest. We know the realities of the lives in which the folks who sit in the pews. We have a responsibility for every pastor, for every preacher who might be watching this. You have a responsibility to encourage your people, not necessarily to call out a name, Right. As much as you say vote, folks need to vote uh, with a, with an understanding that aligns with their values. And I'm not it's bigger than uh, abortion and, and, and folks being gay. I'm talking about social security. OK, I'm talking about being able to keep your 401k. I'm talking about, uh, you know, being able to have your children walk to school without being harmed. I'm talking about education reform. I'm talking about for folks to be able to have public housing who need it. I'm just talking about the very basic fundamental things that each person, each human being ought to be able to, to, to have. They ought to be able to thrive. They ought to be able to live in abundance. And that the current political climate is antithetical to abundance, period. And so I just want to start, you know, let's 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 just let's just step out of those those two hot topics for just a second and think of the broader picture. Think about the broader picture here, right? You know, it's time for us to finally address the things that are killing our communities, that are killing us in the pews, that are killing us in the pulpit. Not just our bodies, but our character and our witness, yes. right? Because our witness is being murdered right now, yes. right? And so what, you know, what, what will the body of Christ have to say when we have to go before the Lord? How will we show up? What, what will we really be able to say about those that we casted out, those that we publicly shamed, those that we ostracized, those that we helped to abandon, right? We cannot continue. You know single women sitting in your pews. You know it. Single mamas are sitting in your pews. So why not fight for the very thing that helps them to thrive? Whether it be access to birth control, whether it be access to being able to make determinations about whether or not they're gonna have kids, yeah. right? Stop telling women to stay with people that beat the hell out of them. What, what, what are we doing, yeah. right? We have to finally align ourselves with what makes sense. And, what, and the ways that we have done church for so long do not make sense any longer. They no longer, it no longer serves us to continue to, to, to live out these iterations of bondage. Right. It's time for us to step into, you know, uh, uh, an opportunity for thriving. And that means that everybody's got to do our part. That includes the church. The evangelicals got to stand up against this hijacked version of Jesus. Yeah. It's time for black evangelicals to stop tripping. It's not about your mega church. It's, it's, it's about God's people. Right. Yeah. Finally, stand up to what we see happening as, like I said, theological fascism. It's time for us to push back on that and make sure you don't show up at the polls because evangelicals are also going to help to determine what president we have at the yeah. end of this thing. Right. So those are some thoughts. Um, young people, I want y'all to vote. College students, you got to vote. I know, baby. I know. Vote. <laughs> You're not going to have Social Security if you don't, if you don't vote.
Right. The infrastructure that your mama had and your grandmama had will not be afforded to you if you do not become a part of the yeah. process that gets us to where we need to go to, to progress. Everybody mm -hmm. got a job to do. It's, it's not just on whomever's in the White House. It's not just on your, your local legislator. You got to do your part. You got to show up at all of the elections, right? And so, you know, that's definitely what I want to lift up as well. Uh, you know, and, and then families, it's time to go ahead and start having these hard conversations. It's time to go ahead and expose grandmama that you had an abortion group. Go on and tell it. So you can free your granddaughter. Right. It's time, father, for you to talk about the fact that, you know, you were harmed as a young boy. Yeah. That you can free your gay son. Yeah. Right. It's time to be free, y'all. Free indeed. It's time for liberty. Right. And that and that that is that's not just a political thing. That's a sacred, a sacred gift. Abundance is a sacred gift. So that's what I want us to be thinking about as we head to the polls, as we continue to get registered, you know, take, be, be a part of the census so that you can be counted. So we, yeah. we, can't, we can't fight for dollars to come into black communities that are uncounted for, unaccounted for. Right. So make sure you participate in the census. Make sure you participate um, in the political process. Hell, run for something. You want to see a change? You come to us. Right. Do your part. Right. And so, you know, that's that's it, really. I just want to see I want to see us show up in record number. I want us to to make these foolish folk, you know, shake in their boots, um, you know, and, and to really align ourselves finally. Uh, in you know, in a way that's going to make sure that we all thrive. It's not just about you and your in your household. It's about your neighbor's household. Get out there and fight for your neighbor too. That's your responsibility, right? As it's, it's being a part of the beloved community, right? So those are my those are my thoughts. And uh, feel free to support Sister Reach. We out here fighting. We will continue. Always a great conversation with you, Sharice. Always. Holler at me anytime. Congratulations on your show, sis. Congratulations on what you're trying to do. Thank you and very much. Always very much. Mm -hmm. And thank you all for checking out the Christy Taylor Show. Be sure to follow us on all social media, as well as if you're interested in being interviewed, you too can come to the Christy Taylor Show. All you have to do is email me. Email me, the Christy Taylor Show at gmail.com, and I'll be more than happy to have you as a guest. All right, until next time.